Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the Adult Swim Podcast. I'm Matt Harrigan. Today I'm in Burbank with four members of the art and comedy collective Wham City. Ben O'Brien, Robbie Ratcliffe, Dina Kelberman, and Alan Resnick. These guys have made a lot of stuff for Adult Swim over the years. Now they're going to talk about it. So I have I have bought so far eight eShop vouchers. Is that eight hundred dollars? Four hundred dollars. And at what well, point it's less do, you, than that. do you feel like it beca- you you officially have a problem? Um, I, I do acknowledge that I have a problem. <laughs> How many spreadsheets does it take for you to? You know what I mean. Well, the problem I think was that I. It's good for the podcast. All right. This is interesting. We didn't need to record it all this time. What were you guys talking about? Um, I was talking well they were criticizing defending his spreadsheet they're criticizing me because i only just recently i have a spreadsheet for it's like how much money i spend on video games versus how much i play video games yeah and i didn't have the total amount of money and total amount of hours in the front column of the spreadsheet yeah do you use excel no i use google google docs we oh. use google for everything yeah we google, google sheets that's what it's called sheets yeah google sheets yeah google sheets google sheets oh. yeah poor one out for google sheets i wait wait but everybody has like a bunch of different email addresses, and it confuses things sometimes. Mm-hmm. What are yours? Um, well, I have uh, one that's just my full name at gmail dot com, and then I have uh, the Robbie at Wham City email account. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say all my email addresses? Yeah, we're yeah. going to go around. Uh, ben at abbvideosolutions.com Benjamin Franklin O'Brien oh, yeah. at Gmail. Benjamin at Gmail. Ben O'Brien at Gmail. Yeah. Comedy at Gmail and abbvideosolutions at Gmail. And they all they funnel towards one account. Yes. Mm. But, oh, they all go to one yeah. hopper. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What I'd love to see is how I would love to be able to remember all of the different Hotmail accounts that I had yeah. back in the day. Let's go around the horn. I'm Matt. I'm Robbie. Uh, uh-huh. Hey, Robbie. I'm Ben. My name is Alan. I'm Dina. You might know them as Wham City. Yes. <clears throat> is Miss, that accurate? Yes, but missing today Semi. is Cricket. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. missing Cricket. Where's Cricket? She's at a wedding, a wedding. in New England. <clears throat> Who else is in Wham City? It's a collective, right? It, it's a very this is confu- a very long answer. This is a very confusing uh-huh. yeah. thing. What are you? <laughs> We're like the West Coast Avengers. 
That, does that make things easier? Nope. Um, no. All right. No. Wham City started as a uh, like uh, an event space and music collective and arts collective. It started as a space. In, it yeah. did start as a space, I believe. It started Dina, as a room. Dina's given it me started that, as so, a so fake name simple. of a new dorm true, at Church's College. We don't have to go back that Then far. applied to the music space and collective that, of a bunch of us that moved to Baltimore, mm-hmm. which was like an amorphous group, and it was already confusing then. Yeah. And then... Ben started heading like a comedy branch of that, which became Wham City Comedy. Mm-hmm. And then AB Video Solutions yeah. got created, which is Wham City Comedy plus me. Wow. This right. is like the emails, all the different. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is all so, the different emails. Yes, that we, we are Wham City. But it's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we started the video production company and then things got really confusing because it had a different name, but it was mm-hmm. the same people. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you think that it's too confusing? Yes. 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 It, it confuses is. us. Absolutely. We're constantly. Talking uh-huh. about it, yeah. We, we've had more. We've had so many conversations about changing the name or simplifying it in some way. But that, that always at the last minute, someone steps in and be like, and says, "You shouldn't change the name. You shouldn't." From Wham City, from Wham City Comedy or Wham City, yeah, Wham City Comedy. Because the, yeah. the actual, the original Wham City Collective is like a group of like twenty five uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. artists and musicians and stuff from Baltimore. We need a, a flow chart of. Who does what we, and why? We could just come up with a new name right now. Yeah, yeah let's name this group. It's it's AB Video Solutions without Cricket. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Huh. AB, uh, nah, I don't know. <laughs> we gave up. I had a, I was having a whale of a time thinking of stuff today. Here we go. <laughs> what? I was just thinking about, because I was, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of like all the different toppings that go on ice cream sundaes. And now each person in our group could be, or, you know, in this thing that I've been working on, each person could be described by the toppings that they go after on, at the Sunday uh, buffet. This is by their go-to first yeah. choice. Yeah. Well what, okay. well, what do you think? Well, um, I think, like, you know, Dina would probably be going for something like the, the mint chocolate chips, maybe. No. No? I like wet nuts. You like wet nuts. <laughs> See, this is, this is good. <laughs> Um, I I go for the graham graham cracker dust. I'm gonna guess that Ben might go for the chocolate cookie dust. Um, I'm gonna go for the the crunched up Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, see, I'm getting this all wrong. I don't think Alan can eat any of it. No, Alan can't eat any of it. You could just are you? You could eat the dry nuts. Impaired. Do you have difficulties with different foods? Mm-hmm. Really? Sugary stuff. Allergies. Kind of. Yeah. Diabetes. Like a full body yeast infection. Really? I get sick if I eat sugar. Really? <laughs> yeah. What happens? Uh, I, I, my neck hurts, and I get really sick, and Your I get sleepy. Hurts. That yeah. sounds ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. My neck and my shoulder muscles cramp up terribly. And really? I just have to, like, be lazy for a couple days. What, what <laughs> causes that? Uh, it's the yeast feeding on the sugar. It's called there. candida. It fills his, really? his weak yeah. body. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can we see it? <laughs> you can see it when, if I spit into a clear cup of water. Wait, really? Yeah. What, what do you see? Like, stringy... Really? Strength. It's, spit it's not like so bad anymore, but, I, but I, I've been... Is it a know. disease? It's... Condition. It's a condition. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did you acquire it or were you born with it? I think you acquire it from just being unhealthy and eating poorly. Was that what you were doing? I think so. Mm. But I stopped doing that and I, it, it has helped. You, you can also get it from being on antibiotics for a while. Yeah, yes. Huh. We're wishing you the best. <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing pretty good. This is going great so far. Yeah. How do you end up in Baltimore? Ah, 
How did we end up in Baltimore? Uh, a bunch of us graduated from Purchase, didn't want to move to New York City because it's too expensive, and someone else we knew from Purchase had moved back to her hometown of Baltimore and was like, everyone I know here just lives in giant warehouses and walks dogs for a living. And we were like, that sounds good. And she was like, live in this warehouse. And we were like, okay. <laughs> and then we moved into it and then we smashed all our belongings. Mm-hmm. And it was great. You guys all lived in a warehouse together. Yeah. There was, there a- was like a slow trickle then of people from Purchase moving mm-hmm. to yeah. Baltimore. By the time I got there, I, I'm, I'm younger than everyone, so I came and they were already kind of done living in warehouses by the time I got there. How does that work? Do you have um, walls? Some. some mm-hmm. You can. Depends, you, yeah. build, you can build some walls. The first place that I lived at in, this, in the building was uh, just had uh, no walls, just sheets um, and, a, and a mostly dirt floor. It was in the basement <laughs> of the this building. This was a building. This was a building. Yeah. It was below the parking lot. Below the parking lot. Yeah. It's now uh, very expensive to live there, though. Repairs have not been made. Yeah, it's, yeah. Still, it's still terrible, but... But you see those warehouses like the one in San Francisco that mm. artists lived yeah. in and caught fire. Was that a concern for you guys? Yeah. Well, yeah. it became that a, big a big problem, problem in Baltimore because there were so many warehouses and everyone was putting on cool shows in the warehouses. And then after that fire, all the warehouses kind of got closed down, at least yeah. for shows, and it became less fun. People got evicted. Yeah, people too. got evicted. Yeah, immediately. Mm-hmm. Is Baltimore <laughs> underrated, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Not convinced. Yes, I think so. I think it is very underrated. It's a great place to go and like the thing. It was a great place to go and just work on something to just sort of like start building a, a body of work yeah. as, as artists. And it was a, a really wonderful place to just meet people that were also kind of doing their own thing. But the community was always sort of hemming and hawing as to how cohesive it was. Does Wham City have an aesthetic? No. No. I, th- I kind of, I, I guess I think we do. It depends on if you're talking about um, live performance versus mm. uh, video work. So you read articles and people say experimental art, mm-hmm. noisy, art damaged, left field. <laughs> a, lot, <laughs> a lot of articles art say damaged. Yeah, a lot of articles say sweaty. Sweaty. Well, sweaty. Robbie, Robbie, Robbie is sweaty. I'm always very yeah. sweaty. The fo- in the photos, he shines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, we're, the rest of us are real dry. Well, a lot of the warehouse stuff is a uh, real hot, sweaty situation. Oh, yeah. That's no. true. Yeah. yeah. It could get sweaty. We, we used do. to do a summer festival in Baltimore yeah. that uh, was, you know, during the very hot months. So lots of people lot outside in the summertime get sweaty. Take, oh, yeah. Take lots of pictures. Yeah. The whole thing sweaty with everybody people. working uh, Wartscape was that you wouldn't pee for the entire festival mm-hmm. because you would just be sweating continuously. And you would just reabsorb the urine yeah. in your body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wartscape. Tell us about Wartscape. Uh, that was the festival. I guess uh, Dan started it and mm-hmm. how many were there? Dan Deacon. Yeah. Yes. It's five, maybe? Yeah. Does that sound right? I don't know. Mm. I know if it I... It was really fun and insane and made everyone uh, feel like they were going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Um it was I I don't remember why just I think they just, Dan just wanted to start a festival, you know, he'd been touring for a few years and he met all these different bands and people and just came up with a reason to have them come visit him. <laughs> yeah. Dan's good at thinking up an idea that seems impossible and then getting everyone to actually do it. Yeah, but it was stuff like that. I feel like that mm-hmm. um like the that like there was a thing about Wham City, which was that uh, there were a lot of musicians and like multimedia artists and just people doing all these different things. But there was a surprising amount of like everyone doing 
some sort of theatrical performance. Like it was just like everybody kind of was involved in some aspect of theater performance as well. And so Wardscape was definitely sometimes like an opportunity for everybody to like come up with something, which I think also like bled into when it like started is what started kind of what the seed of Lamb City comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there, there was a theater night, um, yeah, and everyone did did wild stuff. That was the first time I ever performed, and I got introduced to all of you. And everyone was doing such weird, funny stuff. And yeah, I, and I, yeah. it kind of just made sense that we would start doing live comedy. Yeah. So people would say it's weird and it's funny and it's DIY, and maybe that's why it's sweaty because you guys yeah perform it, but you also sort of build it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like physically build the yeah. stuff that's necessary. Yeah. Absolutely, mm-hmm. we're all like art school people, so we're used to doing. Uh, everything ourselves all the time. Yeah. yeah, we definitely ruin our lives for art projects. Do you feel like your lives are ruined? <laughs> Not as much anymore, but yeah. before, absolutely. It's we're trying to figure out how to do things without ruining our yeah. lives. Yeah. We, we're we bad at figuring it out. I think we're getting better. I, we didn't realize people would give you money for things, so we would just yeah break our backs doing everything as cheaply as we could, and just because you wanted to do it. Yes, right. Because yeah. we thought it would be cool or funny. When did you first get paid for it? The first real. Paid. As a group? Well, I mean, the first big, big budget we had was for the yeah. first infomercial. Yeah, yeah, forever as you are now. Yeah. But we uh, still did it in a very that was more way. That was in a warehouse. That was in a warehouse. Ben and I lived in a warehouse, and we had the set built into our house. Live yeah. forever as you are now. How did that come about? That was, a per- from that the was based tour. on a performance that, we, that, we, that he toured on, uh, the comedy tour, and he also toured it with Dan Deacon. Yeah. Um, Dan was friends with Dave Hughes, yeah. who, who was coming to our comedy shows, and just suggested that we pitch something to Adult Swim, which I think was something none of us had ever considered pitching anything to anyone. Why not? It hadn't crossed your mind for some reason. Well, I think that's like part of Baltimore being the way. It's like you just don't. It's like we were so in kind of our own world with mm-hmm. the art scene, and we just felt you're kind of far away from like New York or LA, so you're just kind of like doing everything. I don't think most people think they can yeah. go pitch to a television There network. definitely yeah. are people who think they <laughs> there can There are pitch. people, but not like... <laughs> yeah. They email me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I think it was something that was like, oh, that would be cool, but I didn't... None of us really knew the process or who, who to talk to or how to get in a room where... Literally could, sitting at a desk, do I call someone? Right. Yeah. 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 Do yeah. Do? How do you yeah. do it? Yeah. So, so how did you do it? Well, you got Dave yeah. Hughes. Dave just suggested we, got, we do something, so uh-huh. we, we all sat down and came up with crazy ideas yeah. for TV shows, <laughs> Went through even it. though we had no experience making anything like that. Yeah. We Went made an incredibly of... elaborate pitch, and then also Alan's thing. Yeah, so we, yeah, so we <laughs> developed this crazy pitch idea where we f- basically filmed a proof of concept that took a long time, and then like I think a couple days before the pitch, Dave was like, you should also pitch... Yeah. The an infomercial for this 4 a.m. block where they're doing fake infomercials, and he had seen the act, so he said that act could work. So then, like, very quickly, we just kind of put together something around that act. Mm-hmm. Not what you were intending to potentially sell. No, but we mm-hmm. pitched both ideas. One was a big TV show, which it would have been insane if anyone let us make because we had no experience, <laughs> and one was something more manageable, which is, you know, a one-off comedy. Yeah, that was, like, already very written. And very yeah. written, and, and yeah. And you had visuals for it. That yeah. you, basically, Alan, so we did our big pitch, and then Mike Lazo was, like, uh, basically, like, very nicely, absolutely not. And then uh, <laughs> Alan went up and just showed him a, uh, just a 3D floating skin blob, and he was basically, like, immediately, like, I don't care what this is. If that skin blob is in it, you can make it. 
So walk us through the actual right? pitch. Was this in Atlanta? This was, yeah. Yes, this yeah, was in Atlanta, in Atlanta with Dave and, and, and Mike Lazo. So you, you sit in the waiting room, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. We're, we're nervous. nervous. Very nervous. nervous. Is yeah. it in the morning? I think it's it was on, in, Did you fly down for this or drive down? Did we fly? Or? We flew. You flew, flew in you a plane. Did you stay overnight the night we before? We got a, I remember we got a hotel. We were very nervous. We were yeah, working on the no. pitch. Was it the two well, of you? Who was it? It was Dan. Me, Dan, and Alan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but Alan and I, throughout this whole, the, the craziness of us trying to put together, like trying to organize everybody in the larger group to make this one thing and kind of facilitate that idea and then put this thing together, like, and having no experience, like, we were just talking to each other constantly. <laughs> Like in this weird anxious way where we were just, and I remember after the pitch, we went back to the hotel and you and I were so punch drunk, but we couldn't stop talking out loud. We were just like, oh my God, it's crazy. I can't believe we were both laying on beds with like our eyes closed, <laughs> just talking because we can't like chill out. Well, the other thing about the meeting was uh, Mike Lazar just said yes, like in the room. He's like, yes, you should make, you should make this infomercial. And we're like, okay, cool. And then like he left and, and Dave was like, that's good. Like he, you know, that normally you normally you don't hear right in the meeting. Yeah. Uh, yes, you have to wait a while, and we're like, oh, oh, okay, sold yeah. in the room. But because because that was our first time pitching, and, and we got a yes the first time, I think we kind of thought like, oh, pitching is easy, and they always say yes. <laughs> <laughs> we like I I won. I thought I was I quit my job. I was like I work for TV now. <laughs> I will never have to work ever again. And I ended up making like four thousand dollars off of this thing, and it took us like six months. It took us, yeah, kind of. I mean, it kind of the whole thing. I feel like took a year of it, like absolutely. talking yeah. before we actually got you one know, year for a year every from, ten minutes. Yeah. That's how yeah. we roll. Yeah, for a while we were doing that. We would pitch it, something in the beginning of the year, and it wouldn't come out till the took, end of the year. But it that's stressful. A, yeah, yeah, it took a long time because we we. We didn't know what we were doing, but uh, also it was like the way that would go. Is Melissa Warrenberg was our producer, and she's wonderful. Um, and we would uh, we would just like not know what we were doing. She'd call, and be like, "You have to do this now." And be like, "Okay, okay." <laughs> you have to form an LLC. We'll go. We'll go do that. And you know she what I mean? And so we just kind. She's kind of like every time. It would just wait until she's like, "Oh, they clearly don't know what they're doing." And then call us up and tell us what to do. Yeah, she um, held, she held our hand, and I think we slowly invented all the roles that a normal production would have by like we thought we were inventing them like yeah yeah, yeah. someone should hold the camera <laughs> yeah, yeah. and oh, someone should right. tell the person what to do <laughs> we should record this yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah yeah so we invented uh directing and all how do you that. survive while you're waiting for this to happen because it's got to be pressure to yeah. exist to feed yourselves we having quit your all job worked for this really crazy art handling company except D- for dina yeah. Um, Never we, did it. Robbie and Alan worked for this art handling company. Art handling company. Art yeah. handling DC. Now. What does that mean? Uh, like we would go into rich people's houses and like switch out their paintings based on what season it was. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh. we make make crates for them, store them. We yeah. were the like the budget art handlers of DC. Yeah. So if someone were really wanted to save money, they would go to us, and we would smell bad, and they would kind of get mad at us. Yeah, and we art, wouldn't do a good yeah. job, and we'd leave fingerprints all over the art. <laughs> <laughs> and then other people we know worked for the good one, where they had like matching outfits or something. Yeah, were good at their jobs. And yeah, we'd organized. see them. We'd see them out in the. The yeah, yeah. They yeah. Would, we would have sometimes to drop stuff off to them. And I remember there was this one time where they were coming out to load something onto the back of like our shitty old box truck, and they open up the back, and it's like me and like three other people like <laughs> asleep <laughs> in the back, like, and the lights hitting our eyes like for the first time yeah. ever. And we're just and they just looking at us, and they're just shaking their heads like with their nice matching suits and gloves. Yeah. <laughs> 
you're the laughing stock of the art yes place. absolutely yeah. well who's laughing now <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. so live forever as you are now and when does that and what happens with that that premieres and you all watch it together um i was at home and i watched it I, with my family i watched it with with my family i think well. oh because it came out at christmas it came oh yeah, yeah it came yeah. out at christmas which was seemingly I, I mean, we don't. We had no idea if that was good or bad, but it seemed like it was maybe better because people were home from school it and they could stay. They're doing the calculations that this is a good thing that mm-hmm. they've decided to schedule it at this time. <laughs> right? <laughs> they must yeah. really believe in us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like they put it on like Christmas morning or anything. You know, it was like a couple of days <laughs> before. But um, but yeah, it, it ended up going yeah. fairly well. And yeah. I, I think because it was on YouTube, it got shared more, and you know, yeah, it. it Felt like because that went okay, we could, we were allowed to ask to do something else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then we started brainstorming on what what else we could ask. Were you ready with something else before it aired? No, no. But you saw that it had done well. Like you read comments about it. You saw it was put on YouTube, and you read the YouTube comments. Yeah, I think that was our only real. Yeah, there was way a, to know. There was a review in a German language <laughs> newspaper that we. Uh, we were translated, and then it just kept saying the word elf and imp over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but yeah, but then I think we just started like we just started thinking about the 4 a.m. format, and I think a lot at the same time that kind of like a lot of other people were as well. Um, kind of thinking of ways to experiment it, with the audience at that time, mm-hmm. like to get kind of get away from. Doing, we, we didn't love parodying an infomercial because they're so ridiculous already that like. It, it's a challenge, be, and so we were excited to kind of like move away from that and and come up with. So we came up with just like a bunch of ideas for for ways of messing with people at that time. You know, I think what we started thinking of is what would be really, really what would make us excited if we were up at that hour watching yeah. TV. Yeah, and that's really where you made this for yourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. Absolutely. I think we we try to make most everything we do for ourselves, starting yeah. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was next? Unedited footage of a bear. Yeah, which at the when we pitched it, I think we was just called Claridrill. Yes, yeah, and I don't think we knew what the. Yeah, we just knew that we wanted to do a fake commercial that got kind of scary, and then uh, we just started writing. Yeah, mm-hmm. just yeah. writing th- and brainstorming things that would freak us out. I think. Yeah, yeah I, re- I remember some of the original ideas for that were like, or some of the concepts we were throwing around were like, a guy has uh, like arthritis. It's arthritis medicine commercial, and he's like. This kind of like old guy and then right at the very end like he's like talking about his knee and like he's like out on his farm and he's talking about like his arthritis and then right at the very end of the commercial he just falls down the stairs and bre- breaks both of his legs yeah and then the rest of the commercial is him laying down there trying to survive um that was one of the original ideas and then there was another one where it's like two people hiking and then they get attacked by a bear or something like that i think people were surprised that some of your shows that one in particular is so close to horror yeah, we, yeah, well, we. I mean, I think we thought the funniest thing to do in the context of a comedy network was to do something that wasn't really funny, but just took itself seriously and, and was upsetting. Um, like we, that was making us laugh. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's also the best delivery of that joke of a commercial that keeps going. You know, like to make something take you from someplace safe to someplace terrifying. I think is more interesting than safety to like comedy. Mm-hmm. So there's a fine line between horror and comedy. I also find that there's a lot of horror comedy that is just making fun of horror. That yeah. is just uh-huh. kind of like, look at this ridiculous violence. Um, and I don't enjoy that. I don't think. But both of them are about it. surprising you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. 
and getting like a very specific reaction. A lot of creators come in and they're frustrated by the quarter hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that appealing to you? I think we're since then have been ready to like t- take on longer forms and stuff. But at and that we point, have... we were just like, "What do we get? Okay, yeah, that's what exactly. we'll work with." But, yeah. but because we had more ideas than could be contained in those those eleven minutes, we it gave us this opportunity to make extra online content, which Dina really was heading up, and we made these kind of. We took took all that energy and ideas and put them into these hidden websites and ARG. So style talk about things. talk about that. The importance of sort of spreading these ideas onto all the various platforms. You guys do that really well. I think we just always, like Alan was saying, like have tons of extra ideas, and so it's just natural for us to be like, "Well, where can we throw this?" Yeah, we we get carried away and excited, and by the like by continuing the the concept into like another area, and then. We just all get really pumped about it, and then we we do it. Like, give us an example of, of something that was successful. Well, the Claridrill website the Claridrill, was Claridrill pretty. Website. I was really happy about because I remember Dave Hughes was like, <laughs> like I was just like going insane and making all You're this making stuff. these hidden games. And, and Dave was like, "Don't spend too much time on this because no one like it's possible no one will ever yeah. find it." And then the day, the morning I got up after it aired, Alan was like, "They found they went they through found every single part yeah. of it." Yeah, yeah and yeah. they would make you know we could see them making like. Google Docs or you know Reddit forms where they were like, oh, if you click on this thing and go in here, you can do this and this and this. And it was really fun for us to see people find that, find all the little things that we hid that yeah we weren't sure if anyone was ever going to see. Yeah. And so we... That we, was really, really exciting. I think that really fueled yes. a lot of what we did after that. Yeah, they were like absolutely. looking at the code and I would go in and update and add stuff in there. And right. we were just like, okay, these what people do, are Why do people respond to that, do you think? It's fun. I, I think yeah. it's fun. I also think it has to do with the fact that it w- was an open-ended, more ambiguous mm-hmm. narrative where there weren't clear, you know, a lot of times you watch a show that has a very obvious beginning, middle, end, and you can just say, oh, this is what happened, and mm-hmm. you don't need to think about it more. But because that was this weird short thing that seemed like there was more to the story, people were in had a reason to look for more. Well, and it's like the thrill mm-hmm. of discovery thing. It's like it used to be people passing around VHS tapes of like, I can't, yeah. like look at yeah. this crazy thing, and that's a similar audience, I think. But now it's like that's not a thing anymore, so it's this new version. And there were people on YouTube who were like analyzing our videos in a way that we would have, could have never predicted or expected where there were you know like several hour-long videos of people breaking <laughs> down all the hidden messages and, and symbols. And not hidden messages. And not, yeah, yeah and, and, and making meaning out of continuity errors or things that we actually did. So there was this, it was just very interesting to watch people interpret our art and analyze it. And so when we made This House's People in It afterwards, we just had that concept from the beginning to to embrace that and really go crazy. So that was your third infomercial. Yeah. yeah, and I think there was also, with that one too, we ended up making like two hour, two and a half hours of extra content, including like videos and voicemails and things like that. But uh, it, I think there was also just like, we had all this desire to exp- like make more, like spend more time with these like characters in, in this world. And so I think that was like a, a, one of the appeals of doing it as well was like, well, we have we had this whole idea for a series of that. So we were like, so we had all these ideas for the family and all the different kind of Mm -hmm. weird things they could do. So we kind of got, got to still do that in a way that, um, where we didn't get paid for, but it was really fun. (laughs) We're always trying to find ways to do (laughs) a lot of work without getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. We always want to do more for less. Yeah. I think a lot of people are the opposite. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, we feel like we don't deserve money. 
Right. Why is that? <laughs> is that true? <laughs> I think it is a little. I true. think that yeah. we do have a lack of like entitlement in that way, and I think that's a part of like the Baltimore thing, and also why we do these like put a lot of extra effort into these uh, infomercials because we we like don't take anything for granted. So we're like trying to make the most out of the eleven minutes that we get, so that it's like you know people are watching it over and over again instead of just once, or they're you know then they're going to the website and spending time two more hours with the same with the content yeah. you know so mm-hmm. then it becomes for them like a much bigger thing so it has a real depth to it yeah yeah and we were living in like a weird warehouse in baltimore so it's like what am i gonna do might as well just you know put everything i have into this then did you get frustrated that that you were making one-off infomercials did you want a, a bigger commitment to something yeah, yeah. i mean I'll, after yeah the, i mean the ideas we were coming up with and especially for this as his people and it were to Thing, yeah, things that we could make serialized and you could come back to and have multiple episodes of. Um, and I, th- yeah, so I think we started trying to think more in that in that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We, and, I mean, we want to expand and to other things. And then, so where did that oh, land after this house has people in it? Well, the next thing that we did was the mirror for IFC. Okay. IFC yeah. What was that? That was the first time that we actually were able to do like a multi-episode like web series. Um, and it was, a, a, you know, about a, a, a cult and they're sort of like the, the episodes are presented as like VHS cassette, like lessons that you would get as part of like a, you know, a subscription to a, to a service of some kind. Mm-hmm. A cult service. A cult service. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what was it like working with IFC? It was good. They were. It was good. They were like, we have no notes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh. It was very because we had yeah. gone through, with like this house is people in it on a footage of a bear. We'd gone through a number of different like revisions on the scripts with the um, you know the people that we were working with on the Adult Swim side, and IFC was just very much more hands off in a way that really kind of threw us off yeah. at first. Yeah, we were like, well, we have notes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think you have notes. Yeah. Were they paralyzed it, by the concept? What do you think it was? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I was, still, I haven't. They think it was perfect and it doesn't need notes. I, I think that they just thought that we were perfect. Yeah, <laughs> that we were just like that. We had been brought down from heaven uh-huh. to give them right. this web series, <laughs> and they believed in it in it so much that they didn't want to talk to us. Didn't anymore. want to talk to us after that. Yeah, or during. They were yeah. intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> so what brought you back to Adult Swim then? Well, Dave Hughes was like, uh, you should talk to Matt Harrigan about the adultswim.com stuff that they've, right. been, they've been cooking on. And we think that, you know, he was basically like, I think there's some room there for you guys to, to play around with. Yeah. Play around in. Yeah. You play in the room. You play in the room. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you play around with, your, with each other. Yeah. And how did that conversation go? Remind with me. Matt. <laughs> with Matt? Yeah. Well, Matt was really weird to us. Matt yeah. was really weird to us. I think we sent you like a, a like a like a catalog. Ideas. Yeah, like uh, thirty yeah, ideas. It's easy for us to come up with a lot of ideas. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It took us a second. I, and, I remember it taking a moment for us to adjust yeah. our mentalities towards live because it's a huge change between pre-recorded and live mm-hmm. like, right. mentality. So. We took us a second. I remember we had ideas like "Scream with Me." Oh yeah, "Scream with Me." Where, was, and then was, you were kind of like, "That's funny," but I don't think you could do that for thirty minutes. <laughs> um, having people, but we were very excited about trying to come up with something that embraced the interactivity of it 
And the 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 place that I, that we all landed on was the the idea of doing some kind of soap opera, yeah, a serialized style soap opera, The Cry of Man, one hour a night, one hour a night every for two week weeks, night for two weeks, for two weeks. The 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 way that we integrated the live audience was through these orange phones that were throughout the set, and the cast did not, or the characters in the world did not know what phones were. They had never seen phones before. They only communicated through letters or tape recordings. It was an anachronism yeah. in the world of the show. Yes. Yeah. And people could call in. The orange phones would ring yes. in the middle of a scene. In the middle of a scene. And then a character would go and pick up the phone and have a conversation with the caller. And, you know, the caller oftentimes would be like, something's about to happen to you or this character is like not who they say they are. And they'd know things that the characters wouldn't know. Right. They could help. And so, yeah, we wanted to keep it open yes. so that, I mean, I remember Robbie was rewriting episodes. Yeah. Like as day we of. were going the day of, um, to incorporate what would happen on the calls. And, and it was, yeah, something we wanted to be able to morph and change. Yeah. I remember making that was like, we had one week of <laughs> Oh yeah, God <laughs> Almighty! We were one week of pre-production, and then two weeks of, and two weeks of the show, and it's an hour long, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. costume drama. <laughs> Live. Ro- and Robbie Live would write us all these long monologues yeah. every yeah. day. Yeah. We'd have to and memorize. So not only are we like memorizing things, but we're, um, you know, we're doing everything, everything. And yeah. I remember, and also at the same time, we don't know if this is going to work. Like, yeah, no. We didn't know of anything that had ever been done like it, essentially. And so we, we were there was always that looming over our heads. Like, is this going to work? Is the is the yeah. technical connection to the internet going to yeah. work? Yeah, and I, gonna ring. Are people going to remember their lines that, <laughs> they, that they just got like fifteen minutes? But you couldn't rehearse because you were still writing it. We're yeah, writing writing it. and also yeah. just like we were, you know, the you know. We were also like the production, the production team. So like rehearsals would be have to break up, so you could go like do some sort of meeting yeah. and like edit vid- edit videos or or edit or, you know look at. It's like torture. It's torture. We, yeah. Um. But I remember after the first episode when they called us like you're and you're out like it was over. Yeah. Cricket just screamed like uh-huh. just like fell to the ground like she was so stressed out. Yeah. It was. Uh, and it was an intent. I remember it. Was that it's funny because the first season, like when I hear the intro to the Cry of Man, it gives me the weirdest like feeling. Yeah, because it just like meant like we have to go, we have to do this now, and it was so scary. And, and then Call of War, which is the follow-up. And then you did it again. Yeah, yeah. we did it again. But we were smart. We tried to we tried to learn from the <laughs> mistakes. Did. Did. What did you learn? Two that weeks we needed, of pre-production. You one week of shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And also, but just that still like, wasn't enough. Yeah, but you guys also seemed tortured by that. Well, I oh, think because sure. we <laughs> I had a great time. Because we had more time for pre-production. Robbie, who wrote all of them, wrote it like use that as an opportunity to make it more complicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, also, like I, you know, we had done the thing with the phones being this, you know, this vehicle, this like communication uh, to the the world of the show, the world of the show. Um, so we didn't want to repeat that same. Um, we didn't want to repeat that, right. so we had this idea of like having the audience basically like affect the story as because they're going to be the voice of this character, um, and that sort of gave the you know there was an opportunity to kind of like build out a more complicated storyline and like you know hint at these larger 
themes and events outside of the show itself. I mean, there was just like so much stuff that we had never that like it was just like, well, we have this crazy platform and we can try things that we've never done before. And we can just like have it have a hint of something in our heads and then just like put it out into the world. Like, you know, there was one episode where, uh, you know, I was like, I've always wanted to just like play this joke where the, you know, you start a show, you start one episode with a monologue. And then rather than going and doing something else, you just go into another monologue. <laughs> uh, and that was just like a, you know. And that's an example of something we consider a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like not everybody does. No. Well, yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Two monologues in a row. <laughs> in a row. <laughs> Get it? Get it. Yeah. So the interact- interactivity option has changed your comedy a little bit. It's actually, I feel like that was kind of this thing that was this, the connecting theme throughout everything. Is right. Like, we're very, like, when we perform live, we're very crowd oriented. Like Absolutely. We go into the crowd a lot. You know, I think that, like, the ARGs were a way of connecting with, you know, a fan base of people. And then, like, similar, it just kind of made perfect sense to incorporate the calls in the way that we did and i think Same. context is always very important to whatever we do because we don't always control what our opportunity is and if someone mm-hmm. offers us you know hey you should make something for this platform or or this or that yeah we try to think what would be funny in that context what like you know would be different or, or unique could take advantage of it of the properties of that even yeah. if it's just like vine or yeah you know whatever the the thing is We're time to be making stuff. <laughs> um, it's just like media is becoming so idiosyncratic, and there's just like you know all these new tools and new ways of dealing with the audience. And it's sort of like weird to be older in this world because like I don't know, like I never, I was never watch like when I would watch Adult Swim when I was in high school, I was never just like you know it would really like be great right now is if i could pick up the phone and i could call space ghost yeah but that would be cool but that would be cool and <laughs> but i would never even, i don't know if i would have done it i don't know but i think on one of the other podcasts you were talking to some i forget who you were talking to but you were talking about how the bumps felt like the company was talking to the viewers and i feel like i definitely felt that when i was young watching space Ghost. i definitely felt like i was watching something unique and only a few other people in my yeah. like, high school knew about this thing and we were like oh, this is this crazy thing we know about. And I think we all really like hope that that, yeah. that people experience our, our things that way. Where it's, there's a small group of friends who they can be like, did you see this crazy thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the streaming stuff and EGI and all of it, they can be like, I actually feel like I have a relationship with these people because you know, I send in my art and they show and they talk to me on, this yeah. and, on the calls. Yeah, it is, it's interesting because like the, the way that I watched Adult Swim at first was like I would... Were, were like my friends would make my friends that had cable television would like make recordings of them and then like we they would like bring them to my house and we would watch like stacks of like just tapes of Adult Swim so Adult Swim was always like this very like secret society for me and uh, it's nice the like the the dot com stuff does feel like a, a really natural extension of that. How do you come out of all this and then end up with May I please enter? 
That was that's just Alan. That was just uh, again the uh, you know trying to come up with something with the opportunity, uh-huh. and that was for the the smalls the shorts that uh, are for the streams. And Dave just asked if I had any ideas, and I was trying to think of something that I, th- I think it was like three episodes that were three minutes long or something. Uh-huh. And it's another case of making way too much work for myself for less money because it was supposed to be these web shorts i was like oh i could do these little house these little house tours but then it stopped making sense like the budget was not enough where i could get three different houses and three different casts of actors so i was like why don't i do three different segments in the house and then i just filmed too much and then edited too much and i was like you know what this is actually 11 minutes and is that's the length of you know, something that would air on Adult Swim. And and I I don't remember who, maybe it was Dave, said like he was going to try to get it to air at the 4 a.m. slot. So basically we made another infomercial, but for like a fraction of the cost. So you peel off and do that by yourself. Mm-hmm. Does everyone and, stare at you? Everyone look at you well, and just give you dirty looks? How does that work? Well, I mean, it's everything is always... We're all always doing it. And also we were, all, we were all doing... It's uh, also all these projects are yeah. different so, mixes of all of us. Yeah, yeah Robbie oh. was doing a, a Smalls and Cricket did one called Help. Mm. Um, was, so we all... I mean, we often have our own projects that we split off and do, but we help on each other's usually. Uh-huh. Yeah. You guys have a lot of things in the hopper now for the mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm. Electronic game information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? I know what it is, but maybe you should explain That's it. That's what Robbie's life has been building towards. Yeah. Um, well, Electronic Game Information is the talk show that uh, we do on adultsum.com. It's a, a video game talk show. It is a place where all of the knowledge of video games that I had built up since I was you know, in middle school has, has gone. It's a, just an overwhelming burden of information that I've never been able to share with anybody <laughs> until I was given the opportunity to share it to share it everybody yeah. share it all over them. <laughs> overwhelming amount of video game information absolutely yeah and uh, you know that's uh, as as that show is sort of like evolved it's uh, you know incorporates uh, you know Dina produces it uh, Alan is is like our, our regular like chat uh, what do you call it? Chat manner? Chat correspondent? Chat correspondent. Mm-hmm. I live in the chat room. Um, and Cricket and Ben have <laughs> recurring characters on it as well. So it's like kind of, it started off as this sort of more like solitary project and has grown into, you know, this thing that's more complicated. Earth Universe. Yes. Walk us through that. Um, um, Earth Universe <laughs> was a character, originally a character that I had created. I, Dan Deacon asked me to tour with him. He wanted me to do stand-up. I said, no, no, no. How about I do a, a wild presentation where I'm like a fake cult guru? He was like, whatever. And uh, <laughs> so I put together this like long, like this huge character that's performed, blah, blah, blah. And this like cult leader, whatever. And uh, who's, the concept of him was that he was the reincarnation of Dr. Bronner, that he had like read <laughs> mm-hmm. a d- bottle of Dr. Bronner's and become enlightened or whatever. And you would... And he's he the, the reincarnation big, of Dr. Bronner? That's like what I put on... <laughs> he's with, not dead. Yeah, he... Yeah, yeah. And you, ch- you would chug oh, raw yeah. eggs on stage. Oh, yeah. And I would chug raw eggs. Yeah. It was like very light. Yeah, it was whatever. And um, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'll just say because... Yeah, it's who, great. Who can... Who can uh, who's going to say no? Um, so anyway, so I kind of had that character. That was years ago though. And then... Mason, who works at the on the streaming um, in West Coast, he um, 
he, like him and I got to talking because I, I kept being like, I should make a, a show with the Earth Universe. He had some ideas like that were similar for shows. And, and him and I had been, he, he was an old member of Lamp City, Lamp City Comedy. So, um, so him and I got together and, and kind of came up with the idea of doing an Earth Universe show. But in that way, it, I'm going on too long, but that way it changed. So when we put it together in the, this idea of a streaming show, it went through a couple iterations, but what it ended up, what we ended up coming up with was that this character earth universe is this kind of all encompassing entity. He can be anything, any object, human person, animal. And the callers are the, are being, are performing as the other character in a scene with me. And he had uh, been playing around with Adobe character animator. And so we can do live uh, animations of faces for the, for the callers to kind of animate these characters. So the joke there, like the, the concept, or what's fun about for me about that show is like we create these kind of tableau-esque scenes where it's like uh, the classic one is I'm a guy in a bowling alley with my hands up. And the caller plays a guy holding a gun, pointing it right at me. Classic scene. And so the caller doesn't quite know what they, who they are because there's a delay. So the joke is the caller just picks up and they just hear me and I'm going, whoa, 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 what's going on, man? What's going on? And then they just are casually like, not much. How are you? But they're this person <laughs> holding a gun and they don't realize it. So it basically just, and then we just go through and I just try to lead them through kind of a funny scene improv with me where I'd never, tr- I'd never quite let them know what they are until they figure it out. Um, and they're real short and they're they're very, very they feel like short. sketch, yeah, sketch so comedy like where one person doesn't know what the sketch yeah, is. Yeah. These quick <laughs> sketches. Yeah. Where one person doesn't know what the sketch is and we just kind of go through and I'm, I play an object there, a balloon in one of them and a, you know, a, the sun in one of them. Um, that and sounds it modern and technology based. It's extraordinarily technology based. Um, <laughs> Mason and I put a lot of work into it. It's a lot of Mason. Um, he brought a lot of the technology skills to it and the Q Lab and all that stuff. And then I do a lot of the photoshopping. Tell us about Speech O'Clock. Speech O'Clock is a, um, a it's a show where you uh, have two monologues and you <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Speech O'Clock <laughs> is also uh, it's similar to the uh, the thing with electronic game information. Where, you know, I spent like 30 years reading video game magazines and not doing anything with the information. And then, uh, then I, but in my early tw- 20s, I started reading The Economist. So I didn't have anything wow. to do with that information. Robbie's shows are all based on things we try to get him to not talk to us about. Yeah. It's not a, an inaccurate statement. Yeah. One of um, your interests is yeah. for children, and one of your interests is for elderly. But tell well, us, also, but, but, explain what the show is. The show, I'm, 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 I'm getting it. I, 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 it's, 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 um, well, you know, right after the Call of War, I, you and I talked, and you were talking about how you were like thinking about like educational programming for the yeah, stream. Of course, yeah. And so, you know, and that kind of, we, I think we talked about. Like, you were like, how do streets, like, who, how do, like, they decide where streets go? And I was just like, and I, and I. You sound like an idiot. No, no, no. That, that doesn't sound, that's not an idiotic question. That's extremely apt. I mean, how do, like, they make those decisions? Like, how many, pro, like, all the processes of, like, How does you know, this get city, us to speech o'clock? Have you seen speech o'clock, uh, Robbie? Well, so the, I, okay, so. I was thinking about. So I wrote you a very long email about how streets get designed. Well, no, I, I was like, I, I was like, I was like, well, how do people talk about these th- kinds of things? And it's usually in like a public forum. And so the idea was like to create a thing where like two people would have a topic that like w- 
how do streets get made? And they would uh, not know. What, so it was sort of the opposite of what we were talking about, where I was like, they will not address the issue. Um, so, so you were like, what about uh, uneducational yeah. program? Uneducational program. But it's still, you know, it's like words and syntax. And it's just like you do get something from that, I think, just listening to people. It's competitive speech. Competitive it's a competitive speech. It's a, it's a it's a competitive speech game show where um, people don't that don't know the answers give you the answers. Okay. And you just and the audience gets to decide who did the better job. The slogan for Wham City uh, is "fake answers to real questions." That's true. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Cricket's not here. Describe uh, become your body. Cricket's a very high energy. Uh, person and yeah. she's done a lot of performances where she's where she like incorporates some sort of uh uh workout element <laughs> like she'll mm-hmm. be running the whole time or something and uh and i think she kind of like took that energy and and came up with the idea of uh, become your body which is a workout show yeah i know that for her uh she really like it's like she wants to actually make workouts if people actually wanted to follow along that then then they could but the joke is like she's doing these rapid fire um workouts switching between uh different workouts and uh while interviewing someone about their body while talking to callers about different topics or different themes different mm-hmm. questions of the day um things like that and she basically creates a workout that's like it's like really funny to watch her like try to do all that and also for the guests to try to answer questions while they're doing sit-ups or some weird thing that they've seen for the first time um and it's just very high like fast-paced and high energy which is very much what cricket is like and over the course of the show you kind of get to see like you you watch cricket sort of like melt as she gets like sweatier and sweatier and like all of her makeup starts like dripping off and it just like becomes this like very upsetting (laughs) spectacle Maybe. Back, back to upsetting again. Yeah, back to upsetting. Well, Cricket's a very upsetting person. I yeah. don't know. If she's not here. She's not here, so we can say so whatever you want. One of her upsetting want. qualities. How do you guys like? Y'all live in LA now. We yes. do. What's that like? Going from it's very different it's from Baltimore. Yeah. Different. Isn't? What's yeah. different about it? The coast. Almost everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whether everyone uh, knows each other. Every, yeah. It's a big community of people doing similar stuff. There's lots of people to bounce ideas. Off, a lot more people to bounce ideas off of, and yeah. uh, you have access to beautiful mountains. There's an ocean. And there's an ocean that you go swimming in. It's it's a funny mix of like so many things you can do, but they're all also kind of so hard to do. Yeah. Like getting there takes longer. They're way more, everything's way more packed. You know, it's like your friend is an hour away. Yeah. Um, But but at the same time, there's all these other, like there's so many more opportunities and and things to do so it's like it's a nice it's a nice mix it's aggressively pleasant it's and aggressively Baltimore is pleasant. aggressively difficult yes mm-hmm. good way to put it also having just being in the same city as like as an adult swim office studio streaming studio like we've been able to kind of come in here and, and I feel like be a lot more playful with like our ideas and, and kind of come up with stuff that's not as uh, difficult. I don't know. What was I going to say? Baltimore is, I mean, rough. Baltimore is rough. Gloomy. It's Gloomy. also small. Small. It's so, incredibly small. You cannot leave the house without running into yeah. every single yeah, person you, s- you know who has known you for 20 years and knows everything about your life. <laughs> and after you've been there for a while, you're rarely going to stumble upon something new. 
Whereas here you can drive in any direction and be like, I've never seen anything like this before. This yeah. is There's also always stuff going on in Baltimore, though. Yeah. I feel like it was a great place to be in my 20s. And then when I stopped wanting to attend anything, I was like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was an awesome place to, um, to, to be in an art scene. Um, and it's super supportive. Yeah, super supportive. Everyone it's would like help very you out. small town Everyone wanted situation. to help you out. And I feel like, at least my impression of here, everyone would expect to uh, be hired and paid. And, and Oh, yeah. Uh, which is they should be paid, and you know, but in Baltimore, no one's, had, you know, everyone's just doing it because it's fun. We did pay people in Baltimore. Yes, we did when we had money, but there were plenty of times where yeah, you know, yeah. we weren't mm-hmm. being paid. And everyone was just trying to make something. We so hate paying people. Your work here now is a job, and yeah. there it was just a calling. Maybe. I think yeah, it felt yes. more like that. Like everybody's kind of involved. Well, like you're just... in Baltimore because you want to be doing some. You know, well, like, there aren't uh, the jobs like this. Exactly. There. That's yeah. part of why we well, came here. We would we yeah. would come That's here. Trip. We would take trips here every like year to pitch things. Yeah. Um, and and you were starting to get offered jobs, and then being like, oh, you can't actually do it. Oh yeah. yeah there were some, there were times where we couldn't. We weren't. had to say no to things because we were not here. Oh. Yeah. Well, now you're here. Yeah. yeah. We're here. Wham City, <sighs> Dina, Robbie, Ben, and Allen, and Cricket, and Cricket. Cricket. Cricket's yeah. Ghost. Is there a song about Cricket? Mm. I don't think there is any songs about Cricket. Sorry, Cricket. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Music from this episode of the Adult Swim Podcast is a song called Tarhatazed by M.D. Mokhtar as performed on Fish Center. For links to that and some of the other things we just talked about, go to adultswim.com slash podcasts and send your questions, comments, criticisms, whatever, aspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to Dave Bonowitz for editing this, Mason Ross and Eric Lacombe for recording, and Christina Loringer for her help. And thank you for listening. 